Welcome to the Family Life Church Podcast. We hope you're blessed and encouraged to share this with someone you know. Subscribe or visit thefamilylife.org for more information. Chapter in <clears throat> from this massive, miraculous exit from the land of Egypt, and then Israel began to complain. It was in Exodus 15 that it took place. In chapter 14, God had delivered Israel through the Red Sea. The waters closed in on Pharaoh and his army as they found themselves on the other side of that particular miracle. Then in chapter 15, three days later, Israel was without water and they began to complain. They murmured against Moses saying, what shall we, what shall we drink? and you know the story. Three days earlier, they had witnessed one of the greatest acts of God displayed before humanity at that present time, a a pillar of fire at night, a cloud by day, a parted Red Sea, and then at Moses' command, the waters gathered again and swallowed up their, their enemy, Pharaoh, and all his army. But yet now, at this particular point, three days beyond that, all they could think of was water. They wanted water. That's all, that's all they wanted, to satisfy their thirst, so they began to complain. Uh, and then, one chapter more, go beyond that place of where that strife began for their uh, desire for water. One chapter more, and they begin to murmur yet again. But this time, it was about the lack of food. Look at this, if you would, please, Exodus 16. Uh, and the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now, just stay with me for a moment. Hunger. Uh, They were willing to go back into bondage. They were willing to go back into bondage in Egypt all because they wanted the flesh pots, or simply the pots or the pans full of meat. They, want, they were willing to go back to the bondage where they had come from, what they had been delivered from, for something that would just satisfy their appetite, their hunger, fill their belly physically. The miracle that had just been days before was now a distant memory, and all they could think about was food. That was all that was on their mind, what, what, they, what they could eat, what they would have. It is without question They were a living picture as to what the nature of humanity always has been, and no doubt uh, on this earth, in this particular form that we are, always will be. Wanting to be fed. Humanity wants simply to be fed. Not just in regards to the stomach and natural food, but as well in every aspect of life. Look at this as what Ecclesiastes, this is a profound verse in the book of Ecclesiastes, the sixth chapter and the seventh verse. All the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not filled. Now, recognize he's speaking physically here, but not just physically, he is speaking of every aspect of, of humanity's life. All the appetite of man is for his mouth, and yet the appetite, uh, or excuse me, all the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not filled. The constant need to be satisfied, to have this flesh um, filled, uh, To worry, in other words, what he was saying here, to worry, to fret, and and wonder where will it come from, or even if what we need will be there. The funds are low, the the debt is high, the problem 
It's constantly present. The future is uncertain. What are we going to do? Who are we going to marry? Will I succeed? Will I fail? Will I ever get better? Will it ever get better? Will it ever change? Will I always have to wear a mask? Um, is it going to be different? Will it, will it, will it feel different? What, what will it look like when it's there and we wring our hands and we worry our minds and our hearts are overcharged with surfeiting? The Bible said the cares of life suddenly find place in our mind and our heart and that day catches us unawares. That's what he said. What are we going to do? We line up our list of questions and want to be fed the answers and it seems that uh, the truth of the matter is I really think, I really think this is a a picture of our day, it seems we just can't get enough. We just can't get enough. There's, there's always something. Uh, just when you think you got one thing filled, it just seems like there's something else to fill. Just when we think that uh, this is settled, that is unsettled. Like in Israel, we forget. We forget the miracle that God has done for us before, and we become consumed with what we are wanting that is in front of us. That was what Jesus was trying to deal with and bring us to uh, a place of, uh, of understanding a peace in Matthew, the sixth chapter. Now, if you would, please, let's go to Matthew chapter six. Now, I'm going to read quite a few verses here that are somewhat lengthy, so uh, just follow along with me and, and uh, say them aloud in your mind, if you would, please. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for the body, for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add, to his, will add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore? If God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things did the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Now, this is... Uh, this is part of what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. Everybody should take, at least once every quarter, everybody should take time to read these three chapters, five, six, seven, and Matthew, should take time to read these three chapters at least once every quarter of the year, if not more. And just take time to digest these three chapters of what Christ was saying. It is a foundation stone of what we believe and how we are to live. And so this was a part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was speaking practically here. Now, he was addressing physical needs, clothes, food, life, raiment, uh, on and on the list would go. He was, he was speaking practically uh, to the people in regards to the necessities. And, and it was not just, and there's an indictment here. I'm not going to talk about it a great deal tonight. But if you look at this, there was an indictment against you and I because he said, all these things did the Gentiles seek after. So he was speaking to the Jewish culture, the Jewish people who didn't have uh, who didn't have the necessities of life like we have them conveniently around us where they could drive down the road and find everything they want to eat. Uh, they didn't have that. They didn't have a place where they could just go buy a new outfit and, and get whatever meal they wanted. It, it was life. This was life he was talking about. This was sustaining of life. This was continuance of life. These are things that were real concerns to these people. It was not as convenient as you and I have it this day. And so he was speaking practically here in terms that they could understand. But 
but he was speaking about things much deeper than that. It was a message that was more than just what was at work on the surface, but what was going on in the heart, the heart of you and I, the heart of the believer, the one that was going to trust in him, the one that was going to follow after the doctrines of Christ. When he said in verse 25, to take no thought for your life, he was not saying that all the things that he was speaking of were not important. And this is, this is something to understand. He wasn't saying that everything that he was talking about was not important when he said, take no thought for your life. And that you and I could, um, could just fall to a place where we just don't care. That's not what he was implying at all. But rather when he said, take no thought, he was saying simply, don't worry. That's what he was trying to communicate. Don't think about all that stuff. Don't worry about all that stuff. Don't get so caught up with that. This entire passage was about you and I not worrying. That's what this was about, not being anxious about all these things that this life and world often tells us that are more important. These are the things that we have to have and this is what we have to do. Everybody hearing me right now? Um, this is what the world communicates to us and we buy into this so often. Don't worry about your life, what, what you'll eat or, or, or drink, your body, what you'll put on because there is more to life than all of that was what he was saying. Yet we find our life and our energies and our thoughts constantly being consumed about so many things that little by little, and this is where I want, want us to understand this, that little by little steal from us our joy and our peace. Most of the stresses that we have in our life and most of the anxious moments is because we allow our mind to go into places that they should never have to go to if we have a peace in Christ. Look at this same passage in the NLT, if you would, please. Do you have that? Um, I love the, uh, new, the New Living Translation. Uh, I've read it through. It's one, it's one of my favorite versions. Uh, of course, King James is, is my favorite version. That's what I was raised on, cut my teeth on. But NLT is one of, uh, one of my favorite as well. Amplified's a great Bible. Um, so look at this. This is what the NLT says. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. This is Christ speaking now uh, in verse 25. Same, cha- uh, same passage we just read. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. Uh, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable, far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work on uh, or or make their clothing. Uh, Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he'll certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry. Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Look at this. Verse 25, not to worry. Verse 28, why worry? Verse 31, so don't worry. Three times in these few verses, the message was clear. Do not worry. God will take care of you. Everybody hearing me right now? Those aren't my words. I didn't come up with that. I didn't make it up. That's what he was trying to say. Don't take thought about it. Don't worry about it. Don't get your mind in a place that your joy is being stolen. Don't get your life in a place where you don't have peace because you're worried about all these things. This was not a message. Now, here, stick with me. This was not a message to throw caution to the wind and, and to not take care of yourself or pay your bills or fix your food. 
Um, don't stand there waiting at the back door for Grubhub to bring it and you know, you never ordered it. Don't think that somebody's just going to show up and it's going to be there and you don't have to pay your bills and, and that creditor's going to call you up and say, don't worry about it. Just forget it. No, it's, that's, not, that's not what he was saying. Uh, he wasn't saying that you just ignore the necessities of life or, or all the things around us, but he was saying that there is a greater place to put our hope. There's a greater place to put our thoughts. There is a peace that we can have in a world that struggles to find peace. You can put your confidence in God and know that everything will be all right. You can look to God, the author and the finisher of your faith, and know that he has you in mind. You are a peculiar people, a peculiar treasure to God. Um, it, it was not to be taken out of context that life would, and, and understand this, and I, I, when, you, when you look at the word, when you look at all that's being said here, you've you, you got to look deeper at what he was saying, it was, and, and, and not just at the surface, because uh, he wasn't saying that life would be all rainbows and butterflies. He said that he would uh, feed the birds, not necessarily give them a feast. The, the necessities, the needs would be supplied, and, and I really believe this because we have a culture that feels that they are constantly do something, that, that something is owed to them and something needs to be given and after all we worked for it and, and so therefore let it come. No, the, I, God is under no, I've said this before, God is not under contractual obligation by the word of God to give us wants. He said he would supply our needs, that we would have everything that we need. But God is so good in his mercy and grace that often he goes beyond just our needs and in fact does supply our wants. And I am thankful for that. But can I tell you, if you have your needs supplied tonight, then God has given you everything you, the, everything you need to be joyful and at peace. And can I tell you, if those necessities that sometimes we think we cannot live without were taken away, but we still had Jesus in our life, then I'm going to tell you, you still have everything that you need when you have Jesus. If you have nothing else and no one else, but you have God, you have everything because he's the all in all, he's the sufficient one. Because our, our relationship with God, our peace in God, our joy, come on somebody, go with me for a minute right now. Our joy in God is not predicated upon the temporal tangibles of life. It's not built on the things that we often lean on and think that we cannot live without. In fact, we can live without them. In fact, we can have a relationship. I thought about this today and I was telling uh, Chase just a moment ago in the prayer room, if all the religion, if all church was taken from us, we would still have church. No, it may not be the building. And, and can I tell you, even if it was gone, the church may prosper more than she is right now. Because we cannot build a relationship just on the temporals of this life. We build in relationship with the heart and we grow in the grace of God and the peace of God and the joy of the Savior that we have. Amen. This was about trusting him. That's what he was talking about here. He was looking to a people and he was wanting them to trust him, the one who sees the end from the beginning, the one who supplies our every need. The answer was, and the answer always is found in what we seek. This is key. This was the key to this scripture. It unlocked the understanding and it unlocked the, the acceptance of it. So go to it if you would please in Matthew 6 and 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Take no thought for, uh, there, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. When we seek the things of the flesh, this world, they are temporal. They will only, they, they will have to be constantly, if I could word it this way, they will have to constantly be resupplied. 
because they will run dry. It will run out. They will not be sufficient. It, it's the nature of a fallen man, the nature of our world. But when we seek God, his kingdom, his righteousness, all those things are supplied by the one who does not need to be resupplied. He is sufficient within himself. Uh, we seek the kingdom of God first. We look to God first. Amen. Amen. I'm going to say a few things right now. I need everybody to stick with me. And, and please don't, this should not offend anyone in this place. Uh, and, and, and I'm all for doctors and I'm all for the means of man and I'm all for, um, I'm all for what the world and God has given to people in knowledge and I am grateful for that. I am thankful for that. I'm thankful for every benefit that God blesses people with that they can bless other people with. But can I tell you, we are often too quick to call upon man and the things of man when we have the great physician in front of us. Amen. Instead of just grabbing that phone and thinking you got to find the next Advil or the next uh, thing that's going to supply, why don't you call on the name of Jesus? Because God could do a miracle in your home like you've never understood before. Instead of thinking that the answer is somewhere out there in the world and more money, why don't you look, the, look to the one that owns a cattle on a thousand hill and he'll supply your every need and your every... Are you getting this? We have the answer in front of us. We have the one, amen, we can't be like an Israel that gets three days out from a miracle and forget what he's done and begin to complain. We've got nothing to complain about. We've been blessed of God. We've been kept by God. God's been good to us. God has given, given us salvation. He's given us life and that more abundantly. Why don't the next time that you need the answer in your life, why don't you lay hands on it and begin to call out in Jesus' name and plead the blood and believe that God's going to be the healer in your home. God's going to be a healer in your mind. He's going to be the healer at your job. He's going to answer that prayer because he is the all-sufficient God. Somebody ought to praise him right now and thank him. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn off that TV. Lay aside all those periodicals and books or whatever it is that's distracting you. Gather your kids and your home around, love on them for a minute, and begin to pray with them. And all of a sudden, that atmosphere of confusion and lack of peace will change. Why? Because when you invite the answer of all answers into your home, into your life, you're going to find out, I don't have to trust in those things. I've got the answer, and his name is Jesus. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. When we seek God, it's that simple because it matters what we seek. That is the answer. What are we looking to? Where are we looking to? Who are we looking to? Jesus, he, he wasn't crushing our dreams and plans by saying not to worry about tomorrow. Um, he wasn't taking from us uh, that joy, that, that hope, that, that, that life. No, he, he wasn't trying to crush or snuff out anything. A bruised reed he'll not break off. A smoking flax he'll not quench. Um, in other words, God's not, when you're weak, God's not going to break you off. And, and, and when you're just barely burdening, God's not going to snuff you out. If you're, if you're going through difficult times and, and uh, you're finding yourself in a struggle, it's not that God is, is saying to you, you know, you, no, you, don't worry about tomorrow. I'm not going to give you what you want. No, he's, he's promised something that is better than tomorrow. He's promised something in your life that even if you're weak, there's provision in him maybe that you haven't even thought about. I said it here Sunday, I have not seen and ears not even heard. Uh, it's not even coming to our heart and our mind to conceive what God has promised for you and I. There are blessings in God. We just have to look to him first and trust in him. So he wasn't crushing our dreams and our plans by saying not to worry about tomorrow. He was trying to give us perspective. Tomorrow will never be satisfied in the flesh. There will always be more um, that is wanted. There will always be something 
that is needed. Go back to Ecclesiastes, you don't have to do that. But there'll always be something that the appetite of man, it's just never filled. Uh, we'll, we'll always want something that, that just is never there. It's just, it's, that's our nature, that's our flesh. Only Christ can satisfy. But if we have trust in him, and what he provides and sustains us with, then we are at peace. Now, back to where we began tonight, and we will end there. Psalms 37, 3, and we'll do with 3 through 5 now, and so we have a little bit of greater clarity. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Trust in the Lord. Do good. And you'll live in the land, and because you do good, and you live in that land, he'll make sure you're fed. He'll make sure your life is sustained in the way that it should be sustained. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. Everybody over here on my left, hear me. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. When the desires of your heart are being in the delight of God, God will supply that. We often say and wonder why God is not giving us what we want. It could be that our delight, our desires are not in line with God. Um, and there we need to come back to a place of prayer and ask God, is this your will? Because if, if your desires are right, then he's going to give you the desire of your heart. You're going to delight in it. There's going to be joy in it. Um, you'll be fed. In other words, what he's saying there, simply, he, he has your back. He's going to take care of you. Don't complain. Uh, don't complain. Think back uh, on that Red Sea of your life and what he did for you then. He will do it again. He has been your light in darkness. He's been the compass of your life. When we commit our way to him and trust in him, there is the promise in God that he will bring it to pass. It simply must be that we put our trust in God, that we look to him, the author, the finisher of our faith. We commit our way to him. Parents, in the sound of my voice, please hear me. Parents, to be in the sound of my voice. Your children, the people in your home, the people around your life, they need to know that you have committed your way to God. I said this from this pulpit before, I'm going to say it again. It should not be a question in our children's mind. Those kids up there in that room right now and in the youth room, it should not be a question in their mind. Do we serve the Lord? What do we stand for? Are we going to be faithful to church? Are we going to give up our tithe and offerings? Are we going to be the ones who, who proclaim the name? It shouldn't be a question. They should know that we proclaim the name of Jesus. That's who we are. That's, that's what we believe. That is what we live. That's where we go. That's what happens on a Wednesday night. That's what takes place on a Sunday. Why? Because that's the way we've committed our life to. We're not going to turn around. We've decided that's, that's, that's the way it's going to be. Are we okay with this right now? Because when we do that, when we, when we commit our way to him, God's going to bring those promises to pass in our life. He will not fail us. Because God will honor those that honor him. If worry and anxiety are robbing you of your peace and joy and rest, then you need to put a stop to it tonight. You don't need to put it off till tomorrow. Trust in him. Seek him first, not those things. Because the reason why you're probably, probably experiencing anxiety and worry and a lack of peace is because you're looking for all those things that were never meant to bring it in the first place. The answer is to seek Jesus. 
to seek his peace and his life and his love. Because this was not just a message he spoke that was about what musicians, if you would, please. This was not just a message that he spoke that was about what you put on, but it was a way of life about what you put into your heart. Amen. God, help this to not be an outfit that I wear, but help it to be a lifestyle that I live. Come on, lift your hands with me and pray. Father, I pray right now, God, for everyone in the sound of my voice that, that God, your spirit would prevail in them and on them and through them and in their homes and in their lives and parents and children and grandparents, God. The Lord, every one of us in this place, that right now, before we leave here, if we have not yet done so, God, we would be completely convicted that we might commit our way to you, God. The Lord, you would be glorified in us and through us, that the Father, everything about us, everything that we're worrying about and all the things that we're fretting about and, and the anxieties of our life and all the fears and worries and wonders, God, and woes, I pray right now that there'd come a peace that, Lord, we just cast all our care upon you and we trust in you and, and we believe in you, God. Come on, pray it with me. God, help me not to worry. God, help me not to worry about, about my kids and their safety. God, help us not to worry about uh, the next meal and the, and the funds, Lord, and all those things. If we're honoring you, God, we know that you promised that you would feed us, that you would feed us everything that we need. In the name of Jesus, come on, pray it right now. I love you, God, and I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that your word is faithful. God, it never fails. And that we are never left without the comfort of the Holy Ghost, God. You never leave us nor forsake us. You never abandon us, God. Oh, God, I love you. Oh, God, touch somebody's mind tonight. Touch somebody's heart tonight to know this and to understand this. That, God, you are sufficient. That you, God, have the answer that they're needing right now. I'm praying for a father in the sound of my voice. Bring him peace right now. Bring him peace, God. All the worry and the stress that he's under, bring him peace. Help him to remember, God, that you have his back, that you are caring for him. That mother, that wife, Lord, help her to realize, the Lord, you heard her prayer. The first time she breathed it out, the Lord, you were mindful about it. But you see those kids and you see that home and you see that life and Lord, you're not gonna leave them. You're not gonna abandon them. Help them to know that they're doing the right thing, to stay, stay steady in the course, to, to not move and not, not to miss the mark of what you're calling them to do, but to press on, Father, this high calling in Christ. I pray for every individual, God, every single, every elder saint, God. Oh God, help them to know they're relevant. Help them to know that they're loved. Every single person in this church, help them to know, Lord, that they are not alone. That, Lord, you are walking with them. You hear them when they pray. You see their loneliness and you know them, God, and care about them that you have the answer that they're looking for. I love you, God, and I thank you, Lord. Come on, somebody, pray it right now. God, help me not to worry.